Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that we love bringing this content to you for free and we want to keep going. Your support helps make that happen. So please go hit that subscribe button today. It really makes a difference. Okay, on to the episode. Life is full of major moments. One big one is bringing home a new baby, which can be exciting and nerve-wracking and all kinds of emotional. But bringing home a new baby when you are already a pet parent adds a whole different element to the equation. Rashi Wiese and her husband Eric, the co-hosts of Lucky Dog on CBS, went through this when they brought their little girl to the home they already shared with three dogs, Rupert, Enzo, and Arthur. We actually prepped months in advance. Dogs are very set in their routine, and as soon as you introduce something new into the environment, it can throw them off, and it can create anxiety, it can create angst. And so when you're bringing a baby into the home, you're bringing not just a baby, you're bringing furniture, you're bringing a crib, you're bringing a stroller, and that's like, from Rupert's perspective, who's this like tiny dog on the ground, what's this thing that keeps rolling back and forth and can hit me? When you look at it that way, it's pretty easy to see how an animal can get overwhelmed by all the new things and activities in the house. Luckily though, the preparation can really help, even if sometimes you have to take it to extreme levels. I wasn't ready for it, but Eric pushed me along and I'm not a fan of dolls. I was not like a girly girl growing up, but we brought a very scary looking doll from Amazon (laughs) that looked like a real baby and he would carry the doll around in the house as if the baby's already home and just walk around with the doll so we again could see the reaction and you know if the dog is growling we know okay there might be a little bit of an issue we need to work on. Some of our dogs didn't care at all they were more curious. Knowledge is power after all and the more you and your pets know about what to expect the easier the transition will be and hopefully it can lead to the best ending of all. Recently we saw Rupert finally get close to Asara to the point where he trusted that she wasn't going to go crazy with him while she was watching TV. Oh my gosh, I had my camera out and I was just being that mom that was taking videos and pictures and videos and pictures because it just melted my heart so much to think, wow, this is the start of such a beautiful relationship and she's going to have this best friend with her for as long as he's with us. Coming up after the break, Rashi and I talk more about what it's like to bring a child into a home with pets and vice versa. And she details all the ways that pets can benefit children as they develop. Stay with us. I don't know about you, but I love to take my new puppy Teddy everywhere I can. And when I do, I want to make sure to have some good treats on hand for when I need them. Our favorite is Blue Nudges On The Go Treats. They are made with real USA chicken as the first ingredient and no artificial flavors or preservatives. And my favorite part, they are packed in a convenient reusable flip top container that fits right in your cup holder. So these meaty treats are an easy and healthy way to reward your dog on the go. Purchase nudges on the go wherever you buy pet treats. All right, Rashi, welcome back to Life with Pets. I'm so excited to have you back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, We're going to be talking about two of my favorite topics. (laughs) Kids and pets. Um, So this is going to be awesome. I tell friends all the time, you know, if you are thinking about having children, but you're hesitant, you might want to, you don't even have to have a dog. You can foster a dog and just Mm kind of get a feel for what it's like when life is not all about you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, when you have to care for someone else or, you know, living creature and 
they thrive off of routine and a schedule. So making sure that you have the time and mm-hmm. there's no resentment that builds up. And so fostering is always um, such a great way to, like you said, get your feet back into it or a way to prep and see, is this really meant for me? Yeah. It's also just a wonderful thing to do for an animal in need and, you know, just to, to clear some space in a shelter so that more animals can get saved. Oh, yes. Especially here in L.A., we're having quite the crisis with mm-hmm. just overbreeding. And there's so many dogs that they're they're being stacked in crates in the lobby of certain shelters because there's just Ugh. not enough room. There's multiple dogs and kennels together. So fosters are so important right now. And a lot of rescues will help with the financial mm-hmm. aspect of fostering. And it really is. It just it, it is a great thing to do to give back. And it helps these dogs become more adoptable too. A hundred percent. They learn some manners. They learn how to socialize in a house. It's uh, it's it's great. And I'm happy to do it. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's wonderful. But anyway, let's shift gears a little bit. I mean, we, we're kind of there, yeah. you know, dogs, babies, same thing. <laughs> but let's talk about, you know, kids and pets and, and what it's like to put them together. So from your experience, I know you came from social work. So I'd love to kind of just get a a baseline of like, how do you find that it's important to have kids and pets together? What are kind of some of the benefits of that relationship? Yes, so many benefits. And of course, when I say these things, it doesn't mean you should rush out and go get a dog right away. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of responsibility and things to think about depending on your child's age. And also the dog that you'd be bringing home. But in general, Firstly, we could talk about the social support that dogs provide. I feel like kids, I don't know, my perspective only maybe, but kids are living in a very difficult world now more than maybe when I grew up because I was outside playing on the street. Same. My parents (laughs) didn't need to like hover over me and be helicopter parents because it was a safe neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And all the kids were out playing, you know, together. I can't do that with my daughter, at least not where I live. I don't Mm -hmm. feel safe. I think it's just a different world. Plus you have social media, which there's like cyberbullying. It just forces kids to grow up. They're distracted um, because they're not outside playing and in nature. And in general, just the societal pressures, it's become, it can be a little chaotic, I would say. So having that social support, animals really do provide that. And you see that even with therapy dogs that are in hospitals and children's hospitals and also, um, with licensed social workers and psychologists, a lot of times they do bring in therapy animals and mm-hmm. children are more likely to share their thoughts and feelings to the animal rather than the psychologist or the counselor. Um, mm-hmm. They just, animals create a safe space for not just children, but for everyone where we feel like there's a connection and there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. So I think for children in that regard, for mental health, it's very important. And they learn compassion, responsibilities, um, empathy is a big one as well. You know, when I was working with children, I was working with high school children. And we were dealing with some children that, you know, had some traumatic events happen to them. And it took some time for them to open up if they ever did. Mm -hmm. You know, during the sessions, we would just hang out. And if they didn't want to talk, they didn't have to. Yeah. You know, if they were just sitting in the room for the hour and they were on their phone, I would try to look on their phone and be like, oh, you know, can you show me what you're looking at? And trying to find something where we could relate. Mm -hmm. Um, But as soon as, you know, you bring in an animal, there's like this neutral conversation that you can have. Yeah. I'm not judging them. I'm not trying to ask them anything specific that's too private. And it's 
conversation starter. Yeah, it's like that perfect middle ground. It's like there is a thing that we can talk about yeah. that is innocuous. Yes. <laughs> it's just this thing in this room yeah. and that can open the door for other conversations for sure. And you know, even in in those settings it's incredible and extremely useful and beneficial, but even in just a home setting, you know, a parent can have a a pet in in the house and it's going to bring a lot of those same benefits to light too, right? And more, like uh, responsibility. It'll, it'll help teach responsibility. Um, compassion, you mentioned. So mm -hmm. those are some of the things that I wanted to talk about too. Like for pet parents who have kids, who have, you know, a cat, a dog at home, how would you suggest like creating this bond, this, this relationship between a, a child and a pet? You know, it takes time. And mm -hmm. I say that because a lot of times... You know, it depends on how old the child is. You know, for instance, with Asara, our daughter, a lot of it is just exposure. Um, yeah. We're not necessarily having her interact with our animals directly unless, mm -hmm. you know, Rupert doesn't have any teeth, but he does have some sharp nails. So, you know, you have to think about those things because he'll try to jump on her to see what food she has in her mouth and she'll try to like pull his ears and things like that. So at that age, I think it's a lot of exposure, but mm -hmm. they watch us as parents care for yeah. the, the animal and feed the animal and take them out. You know, he'll, our dogs will join us on walks, you know, so it's, you know, they understand that they're a part of our family and the respect that we have for living creatures and how we should be treating others. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is, you know, at least for children that are young, they're just being exposed to it and they're watching, you're setting the example for them. Yeah. Um, and as they get older, you know, especially as a, I think, we can all say that we've been through that teenage phase where we just <laughs> don't feel like we belong anywhere and nope. we don't like our parents. And you know, I was dealing with cultural issues at the time too. So There's, much angst. Yes, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Um, but and I didn't have a dog growing up, but I can imagine having a dog would help with the loneliness or feeling like I constantly need to fit in. Mm -hmm. um, so there is just so much social support from an animal, and I, I feel like mental health. You know, it's so key. Yeah. So it teaches them to give back too. you know, and how to have how to tolerate differences, for instance, because a dog or a cat or whatever pet you have is not going to be perfect. And, mm -hmm. you know, controlling your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know, and I can speak to it because this is I experienced it myself, but I experienced it in my 30s <laughs> rather than as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my first dog. I was 18. So, you know, it, it probably would have been helpful to have him earlier on. Yeah. Uh, I might have gotten to the patience that I was lacking a little bit yeah. sooner, but <laughs> yeah. what have you. We got there eventually. It's fine. Mm -hmm. All that matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to talk to you about introducing, like you were talking about your daughter to, and, and to pet parents listening, maybe they're having kids or they're bringing a child into the home that they, they have a pet. How do you, how do you think about those introductions? How do you make sure that everybody's safe? The animal is safe. The child is safe. What right. are some of the things that you all did or you would recommend doing? Yeah. Um, I can definitely speak to this from personal experience, but because you know, I learned from Eric, I can talk about what we've, <laughs> we've done personally. And, 
you know, in terms of already having dogs in the house and bringing a baby into that environment, we actually prepped months in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, And it goes back to the exposure I was talking about because, you know, dogs are very set in their routine. And as soon as you introduce something new into the environment, it can throw them off and it can create anxiety, can create angst. And so when you're bringing a, a baby into the home, you're bringing not just the baby, you're bringing furniture, you're bringing your yeah. crib, you're bringing a stroller. And that's like, from Rupert's perspective, who's this like tiny dog on the ground. <laughs> What's this thing that keeps rolling back and uh-huh. forth? And like, you know, and toys. And so I wasn't ready for it. But Eric, you know, kind of pushed me along and got the stroller six months in advance. And he got, wow. you know, the bassinet ahead of time, because we had to have that around in the house and treat our dogs to like, you know, be aware of these new things that are coming mm-hmm. into the environment to see how they react to it and how they do and if we can get them used to it. So it took some time. Um, another thing that we did that was really interesting. I'm not a fan of dolls. I didn't, I was not like a girly girl <laughs> growing up, but we, yep. we brought a very scary looking doll from Amazon <laughs> that looked like a real baby and uh-huh. he would carry the doll around in the house as if the baby's already home. And just walk around with the doll. So we, again, could see the reaction. And, you know, if the dog is growling, we know, okay, there might be a little bit of an issue we need to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of our dogs didn't care at all. They were more curious. Right. So, you know, that was interesting. That was, um, I never realized how much goes into it. And yeah, the prep that's needed. And I I feel so bad for people who don't necessarily have those resources or are unaware of this because, you know, when I go to the shelter, I see the shelter notes for certain dogs. A lot of times I see that dogs have been returned because they nipped at a child or, you know, they growled and they weren't doing well with the new family member or the family doesn't have time for them. Right. So I know it is a big problem, um, but exposure and prepping in advance is very key. Yeah. I mean, I've known a few people who, you know, have had dogs in the past and they brought home a baby and dog bites baby, dog goes away. <laughs> like, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's... because safety is really important. And a lot of times it's not the dog's fault, but right. they get punished for it because at the end of the day, how are you going to prioritize? Exactly. That? And so. it's a, it's terrible because it, a lot of times it could be avoided because especially if the dog had showed no other signs of aggression prior, yeah. like it was probably just like an upset to the environment that, you know, Well, and dogs will give us signs a lot of times, you know, they're just very subtle. We won't notice it. But if, you know, there's certain tail positions, there's ear positions, if they do like stress yawns, Mm -hmm. they're like crescent eyes, there's so many things. And that's why I always say like hiring a trainer and there's some trainers that, you know, even have courses that make it a little bit more affordable, Um, Mm -hmm. but you can avoid those things or you'll know that, oh, my dog is uncomfortable. Let me let me separate them or let's try to figure out how we can change this before we get to a point where <laughs> our child's in danger or vice versa. The dog right, <laughs> might be, you know, the child's like going after and throwing toys at the dog. That's also <laughs> not good. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because I did want to talk about like, okay, what if you notice some signs that like maybe the relationship's not going well, but on the flip side, how does it feel when the relationship goes great and like they form a bond and you know the the dog and the kid are best friends either immediately or over time you see that relationship forming oh there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing that um especially because you know it's something that i i know could benefit so many children and so i i just like see asara for instance you know is starting to 
really take to our dog Rupert, who spends a mm-hmm. lot more time in the house because he's a little bit older. He's not, you know, we have staff here to help because we have many rescue dogs and our own personal yep. dogs. So he spends the most time inside the house um, with her. And we didn't allow for them to interact too closely in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the exposure was important. Um, number one, you know, obviously, as we were mentioning, just for her to see how we handle him, how gentle we are with him, but also there's medical benefits to the Mm -hmm. exposure as well. They've published studies that show that there is an association with a reduction of allergies and eczema if a child is exposed within the first year of their life to dogs and cats. So really interesting there. But yeah, recently we saw Rupert finally get close to Asara to the point where he trusted that she wasn't going to go crazy with him (laughs) while she was watching TV. And I just, it was like, oh my gosh, I had my camera out and I was just being that mom that was taking videos and pictures (laughs) and videos and pictures because it just melted my heart so much to think, wow, this is the start of such a beautiful relationship and she's going to have this best friend with her um, for as long as he's with us. And, you know, I, I I hope she continues to have that with the other dogs. She actually really takes the large dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Enzo <laughs> is a little too energetic and we'll knock her down in a second. So we're always supervising her. We never leave her alone with any of our dogs, not even Rupert. Mm-hmm. But it is it is very special when you see that bond starting to form. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to just be like, oh, my God, what's better than watching two things that you love, your, love your each other. Your heart is exploding <laughs> at that point And you just you're like, I don't know if I can handle this. It's so overwhelming. <laughs> but it's the best feeling. Now, how do you deal with some of the unexpected things that happen? Like you you were saying, you can prepare, you can bring in all the paraphernalia of a baby. You can have a doll that mimics a baby, but you can't necessarily prepare for the random things, the everyday just like stuff that happens. So how do you deal with that in the moment or, you know, try to prepare for it? Yeah, I, I think separation is key. You know, mm-hmm. if you ever have an inkling that, this might not be going well, or, you know, kids, especially younger kids, they don't have impulse control. They don't, Mm -hmm. they're not adults. That's why they're kids. They can't process (laughs) their emotions. And, you know, you'll know when they're upset. Um, If that's something that you feel is happening, it's best to just separate and keep a safe space for both of them, your child Mm -hmm. and your pet, whether that's a separate, you know, like a crate for the dog where they're in their safe space, or if you have a separate room for them in the moment. And I, I do think, Hiring a certified trainer to help with that is always going to be, you know, even if it's just one session, but laying the foundation or having them show you, you know, certain uh, body language that can tell you what might be about to happen um, is really important. So just creating a safe space. And at that, at the end of the day, it's up to the parents to do that. Your child's not going to necessarily be able to tell you and the dog, if you don't know their body language, isn't going to be telling you either. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned obviously not leaving a child unsupervised, uh, especially, you know, you have a 16 month old. At what age, like, can a child, I'm I'm speaking to you, like, as somebody who's worked with kids before, as your social worker self, like, at what age are, are children, like, getting the idea, like, being able to understand, like, the responsibilities involved, have that, have that impulse control you were talking about? When does that come in, where they can become more, part of the caretaker role instead of just the playmate role? You know, I think you can take it in stages. And, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely before I would say four years old, they're 
toddlers that have the terrible twos. And apparently there's terrible threes and that's worse than terrible twos. That's what I'm learning. Great. Um, Yeah. A lot to look forward to. So I think what it is, is, you know, with the supervision, but you can take things in stages where, for instance, you have a dog on leash or Mm -hmm. separated by like a baby gate or something where um, if you want the child to participate in responsibilities, the child can come and help you pour the food. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a distance where you're in a controlled environment, because you don't know if the dog is going to resource guard with food right? or, you know, there are so many things that can happen. And so it's taking things slowly and by stages, but your, your child can participate with you as you're doing these things, as long as you're there to make sure you have control over that environment. So, you know, as they get older, it's like teaching them that I'm sure they're excited to feed the dog or be able to participate. Um, and also letting them know, it's not a chore. It's not a burden. It's like, mm-hmm. I get to do this for my dog. I can't wait to do this for him. Have you heard about the true blue effect? It's pretty cool. And I've seen my dog Teddy thrive because of it. What I'm talking about are the seven benefits your dog could experience from the key ingredients in blue life protection formula. We're talking about healthy muscle development, immune system health, skin and coat health, healthy digestion, joint health, strong bones, And the one I see most of all in Teddy is vibrant energy for an active life. All of this is thanks to the quality ingredients in Blue Life Protection Formula. Try it now. There's so many other people who come into an environment, whether it's it's, because it's not just you and your kids, you have family that comes in, you have your kids' friends who come in. So how do you create an environment where everybody is safe? Because like, your dogs might be comfortable with your child, but not necessarily another child. So how do you get that situation? Like, how do you read that? How do you control that? There is also preparation with that. And I can speak to that um, actually with my niece, Ashni, who loves animals, but Mm -hmm. at a distance. (laughs) Um, That's kind of how I was growing up. She loves the concept of animals. She loves going to the farm and seeing them. But as soon as they get close to her, she has a meltdown, you know, right. and she, she tried to communicate why. And it's, you know, like a dog might jump on her and she's not like, mm-hmm. I'm looking her or their nails. So, you know, we've prepped her and she'll even ask like, you know, is a dog going to be there? And we, we just, <laughs> we have to communicate. So if we yes. have friends, family coming over first, we have to figure out their comfort level because if they're stressed, a dog will feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's best. And I used to feel like that when I, scared of dogs growing up that, oh gosh, am I going to their house? Is their dog going to be out? Mm-hmm. You know, no one ever communicated. And that just, um, I think heightened my fear because it was unexpected. Sure. So communication's key. And if, if there are, there is any sense of discomfort, it's best to avoid as sad mm-hmm. as that is. It is best to avoid, or at least have a safe space for your dog. If you want to have guests over friends, over family, um, where you're not forcing that interaction. Yeah, for this foster dog. So I've had him now um, for a few weeks. And, you know, for initially, I have a young nephew. He's two and a niece. She's about five months old. And I see my niece and nephew regularly, once or twice a week. Yeah. But like, and, you know, my nephew loves dogs. He loved Ozzy. <laughs> um, but I was like, this is a puppy that I I cannot control this dog. And I can't yeah. control him either. He's two. Yes. And he is in the terrible twos, let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're going through it, even though if it's not every day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I see him <laughs> twice a week. I'm like, bro, oh, calm down. <laughs> yeah. um, so like, 
I had to make arrangements. I had to like, dog can't come to see the kid, you know, like it's just, it's something that I couldn't trust. And I only just introduced them over this past weekend because I had gotten the dog to a place where like he knew basic commands and I had him like on a leash the entire time and just be like, yeah, you can come close like if you want. And for the first like hour, like I said, Ethan, he loves dogs, but he kept his distance. He right. was like, I don't know this dog. Right. And like this dog doesn't know you. So like as much as the dog wanted to get to know Ethan, I was like, when you're ready, I'm going to be holding him. And like, it's that's all great. good. That's <laughs> pretty much exactly what I, I know that we would recommend in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I know it it makes us sad because we just, we have this vision and we want everyone to get along and yep. you know, just leave this like, like take a video of them all interacting and they're happy, but it's not reality. And mm-hmm. you have, especially a dog that you're fostering, you know, it's a new environment for that dog. And even though you have a great relationship with that dog, it's still, um, there's an acclimation period where it's kind of like foster children. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily show their true personalities right away. A lot of times right. they go through kind of this roller coaster where there's some ups and highs and some, you know, lows and, um, depending on the age that you said you have, it's a, it's a puppy. So it's a little bit different yeah. in that sense, but um, it's just, uh, there's a responsible way of handling both the child and the dog. So there's no trauma that can then have, you know, lasting consequences. So you, mm-hmm. you handled it really well. Thank you. Yeah. I applaud <laughs> you for that. Abe's the name of the dog. Who knows if he'll keep that name forever, but that's his name for now. <laughs> <laughs> very cute. I was actually very impressed with him. He was a champ. He was, he's got a really good temperament. So he, he got excited only when Ethan got excited. Like, yeah. otherwise he was just like, okay, I'm they cool. I'm just energy, like, so. I'm here to sniff. And then like Ethan's running around. He's like, oh my God, are we playing? Are we playing? I'm like, no, we're not. You are not playing. Yeah. He's playing. <laughs> you're sitting calmly. That's what your job is right now. Yeah. And imagine, you know, as Ethan gets older, you know, this exposure is so good for him and it's mm-hmm. been a controlled environment. And hopefully, you know, he won't be scared of dogs and will look forward to the interaction once he knows how to interact with a dog. Exactly. And responsibly. Everybody knows how to interact with each other. My sister-in-law yeah. sent me a video yesterday of Ethan. He's got like a little dog toy. And my sister-in-law says, oh, who's that? And Ethan goes, it's Abe. And I'm like, oh, my God. He already loves yep. Abe. What are yep. we going to do? <laughs> yeah. You, there's um, Asara. She gets some screen time. And we have this one show that she absolutely loves. And a lot of it is just songs. But mm-hmm. one of the episodes is all just about animals and pets. And she sings about being gentle with a pet and how you pet the dog and mm-hmm. um, how you hold them. And we bathe them. And they go to the vet. You know, and it's just like exposure, exposure, exposure. Yeah, for sure. And they and they form these bonds eventually, hopefully. But that leads to something else I wanted to talk about, which is the grief of losing an animal, especially yeah. for a child. How can the pet parents, the adults, uh, which is also hard for, you know, it's hard for all of us when we oh, lose yeah. a, a pet, but the kids, how do you help them through that? How do you explain it? How do you, how do you just make sure that you know, the grieving process isn't as devastating as it necessarily has to be. Right. It's one of the only <laughs> downside of having yep. a pet. And it's just that they're not with you forever. Um, but it's so important for children to go through that because they're going to be experiencing that as they grow up, whether it's with another animal or whether it's with friends and family. And, you know, I can speak to that because it was the first time I you know, grew such an attachment 
to an animal and then to lose, you know, Estelle. And we did lose Archie, unfortunately, last year as well. Um, but he was 13. Um, yeah. So I think the first thing to recognize is and ask is, was it unexpected or mm-hmm. was it because you needed to euthanize your dog to put them out of their pain? Um, so addressing that directly with a child is very important. You know, we we usually like to use, you know, put to sleep or cross mm-hmm. the rainbow bridge. And I think with children, we need to actually be very direct with them. They take things literally. Right. And so if you say, you know, they were sick and they were in pain and their heart stopped beating, you know, what ends up happening is kids start to think, oh, is that going to happen to me? Right. They were put to sleep and they're not understanding the full scope of what happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as kids, you just think, is that going to happen to me tomorrow? Like that'll just create anxiety. So you actually want to be as direct with them as possible and share with them exactly what happened um, in a tasteful way, of course. Yeah. But in terms of the grieving process, and to be honest, this helps with adults too. There's, I think, age-specific creative outlets that can mm-hmm. really help. Um, so, you know, whether it's through art therapy, for instance, where it's like painting, writing, poetry, yep. drawing, sometimes with younger kids, Play-Doh can mm-hmm. help. I know with Eric, I remember, you know, he's a very creative and artistic person. He, uh, when we lost Archie, he was making like a little felt German Shepherd because it was very therapeutic for him, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is where you are, you're pretty much trying to help your child process their feelings, right? Because they don't really necessarily know how to verbalize it. So it's allowing them an outlet where they Mm -hmm. can feel what they need to feel and maybe even start a conversation about it. So I think art therapy is very helpful. Um, There are some books that also are grief related that can help start the conversation. And then I think it's really important to memorialize them as well. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, a little candlelit ceremony or a little funeral, um, you can create, you know, a memory box for them. Yeah. You can plant a tree, for instance. Yeah. (laughs) There's just whatever, you know, you know your child best. So whatever you think is going to be therapeutic for them, but there are, there are options and it's, you just have to remember to be patient with them Mm -hmm. um, because it is a process. And I know we're a society that we're so quick to dismiss, you know, feelings. And, you know, some people say it's just a pet, get another one. It's not the case. It was their best friend. Yeah. Companion. It was was somebody who was, you know, slept in their bed maybe and had, was by their side through everything. So yeah. Yeah. So being patient, letting them speak their feelings and finding ways for them to process that and you know, you can get another dog eventually. And and we do actually recommend that when everyone's ready. Mm -hmm. And that's key is when are they ready, you know? Right. And it can sometimes take months. It can take years. It just, it's all dependent. Yeah, definitely. Not an easy thing to go through. It's not. And, you know, there's resources out there for anybody who is going through it. And we can point you to those in the the show notes as well. But we talked a little bit about bringing a child into a home with a pet. Let's go the other way, bringing mm-hmm. a pet into a home with a child. You know, all parents always will have the stories of like, oh, they were begging for a dog for years and we finally caved. What are some of the things that adults and kids can do? Like if, you know, it's time, you know, okay, we're going to, we're going to add a pet to our family. How do you prepare the other way, you know, for the yeah. kids bringing a pet home? There needs to be some big conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you first of all want to figure out if you're bringing a dog into your home for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for instance, during COVID, 
a lot of people were bored. So yep. they brought a dog <laughs> into their home just to add some companionship. And I'm really glad they were able to provide a dog a home in the, that moment. But unfortunately, what happened was when we all started to go back to work and start traveling, those dogs, no one had time for them anymore. And they ended up in the shelter. So, you know, ask yourself when your child's asking for a dog, is it for the right reasons? Or are you providing the stimulation that they need? Are they just right. bored? <laughs> is it just because they're home from college for the summer and they just yep. want a dog? Um, <laughs> or are they really, you know, do you think they can benefit from the emotional support and the companionship? But, you know, I, I'm laughing because I, I had this happen with um, close family members where they actually adopted their first dog. We helped them find a dog. Great dog. Um, and the kids kept saying, like, we'll do everything. We can't wait. You know, we'll train the dog. We'll, you know, be responsible sure. for picking up their poop and, yep. you know, taking care of it. And one, one of the children is in high school and the other one's in college. And they did for the first maybe six months. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, one's going off to college soon and the other one mm -hmm. just finished college and has a job. And guess who's taking care of the dog full time? Right. The <laughs> yep. And they don't mind. So it's also setting those expectations that, you know, your children have a lot going on and they're not going to necessarily be living in your house forever. So at the end of the day, as parents, we are going to be the ones that are fully responsible at the end of the day. But setting some expectations and talking about the responsibilities and the schedule and the routine is very important beforehand. It shouldn't be a surprise. Yes. Okay. That's a, yeah. Giving a pet as a present, is good idea, bad idea. <laughs> Never for that. I love the concept <laughs> and I think it's so sweet. And I remember seeing all these videos of people giving, you know, children pets during Christmas, you know, and the, wrapped in a bow in a box. And I think that is the sweetest idea, but they are living creatures and they require love and attention and they thrive off of our companionship, you know, human companionship. So if you don't feel like you can give that, there are stuffed animals and other <laughs> options. Um, but I, I never recommend um, giving a dog as, you know, unless it's something that's discussed and it's right. maybe not for a child, but <laughs> meeting the dog beforehand as well is important too, or at least sure. remember about their family and, you know, the bloodline and all of that as well. And, you know, rescues are a completely different story because they require some time to acclimate and they're not going to be that perfect dog immediately, not necessarily, you know, you're going to see maybe a change in personality. And even with puppies, they're going to go through their teenage phase like we do. And that's when you're like, I don't want this dog anymore. Yep. So it's, a, it's a commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and yeah, uh, my parents caught me many, many dog stuffed animals rather than an actual dog because they. I was a busy kid. They were busy parents. Like they're like, we do not want a dog. So you are not old enough to have a dog, and we're not going to take care of it. So you're not getting one. And that was, and that was probably the right move, honestly. <laughs> you know, I personally went through a lot of guilt when we, you know, brought Asara into this world, and we have all our dogs and the responsibility that comes with the dogs, and then all the responsibilities with Asara. <laughs> Yeah. So it never got to a point of resentment, thankfully, but I've heard that some people do start to resent um, whether it's their animal or, you know, there's no me time anymore when you have children and pets, um, unless you have help. And I always say you should definitely reach out and try to get help, whether it's getting a dog walker to help walk your dogs, or if you have a daycare that they can go to family, friends, um, and also getting help with your child. Help is so important and we don't reach out enough um, for yeah. that. 
but guilt also. There's a lot of guilt where like, oh, I should have taken him out on a walk twice today and I only took him once. Or, you know, there's just time management's important, but creating a schedule and a routine, whether it's with your children, for yourself, um, I think both, everyone thrives from that. How do you manage that guilt? Uh, it's a lot of communication, whether it's with your spouse, if you have one, a partner, or for me, it's, I'm someone who loves lists. I'm a Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like very neurotic about those yeah. things. So I have to create a list of priorities and I have to actually schedule time for myself in there, whether it's um, exercise, an extra nap when I can. Yeah. And if I need that, I'll reach out to, I'm lucky that I have my mom close by to help when needed. So I, I'm really grateful for that, but it is, it's hard. Um, and then there are you know, therapy sessions too, to just, sometimes you just need to be heard. And as social workers ourselves, we were required to seek out counseling as well because right. of all the things we were going through. So I was really, I'm really glad that that was encouraged for us. And there is no shame in asking for help or finding somebody to speak to just to get a third party to either be a sounding board or get advice. Yeah. I love that. And I think that is a brilliant place to end as always, I'm going to give you the floor for these last couple of minutes. Is there yeah. any resources you want to point people to? Any Anywhere that we can find out more about you and, uh, you know, Happy Dog LA and your organizations, anything that you want to, you know, put here at the end? Yeah. I just want to say, I hope I didn't scare anyone from either <laughs> bringing a child into this world or, you know, expanding your family and bringing a dog. They bring so much joy to someone's life um, as long as you feel ready and you have the time they really bring out fulfillment. And I, I personally feel like I've lived my life with intention and authenticity, um, not worrying about the rest of the world and what they think of me. But we you know, have a boarding and training facility called Happy Puppy LA. Eric is a certified trainer focusing on positive reinforcement. And so you can always go to the IAABC.org to find a certified trainer in your area. You can search by zip code if you feel like you need some additional resources. That's always the place um, to go. And yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping that this was helpful for those who have a lot going on in their lives and you know want to bring and expand their families. It's an amazing thing to do um, as long as you feel ready for it. Definitely. And don't forget to check out Eric and Rashi on Lucky Dog on CBS. So that's their show and it's amazing. So highly recommend. You've been listening to Life with Pets, the show that combines real pet stories with proven guidance from pet professionals. I'm your host, Hillary Georgie, and I hope this show has been a great resource for you as a pet parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to download the Buddies app. This episode was produced by the team at mission.org.